Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, so Doug is going to be joining us a little bit late, about 20 minutes in, so he will join us. Um, and uh, hi, Anna Maria, nice to see you again. Hi, Stephen. So nice to see you. Thank you, Udo. Thank you for coming back again to speak with us. Hi, Steve. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I actually want to have a conversation with you off the air eventually. Great. Great. Thank you. So I want to just tell everyone about these two speakers. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times we have high profile speakers that are very, very famous and very well known. Sometimes we have people who are world class cardiologists or world renowned neurologists. And a lot of people love that. And I love it too. It's great when you speak to someone that has all the credentials and went to the best college. It's, it's wonderful. Um, however, there's also certain people that have studied something for 50 years and are literally know more about than anyone in the world. And those people are very, very, very hard to find. So what's unique about this panel, um, I'll skip Doug for right now until he gets here, but Anna Maria has been involved intensely for 45 years um, in working on a daily basis with people with sprouts. So this is the least, is not theoretical. She has worked with people with sprouts. She's studied their blood under the microscope for 25 years. So this isn't where she's just winging it and said, I read a book on it and it sounds good. She, I don't know how to find, I, I find the speakers for the conference, I don't know how to find someone with more experience on sprouts in the entire world. I don't know anyone in the world who has more experience on, with sprouts and not just feeding people them, but then they study people under the microscope. So when Carr and Brian speak, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, I'm somewhat fascinated by what they say because there's no one else who's done more, re no one anywhere that we know of in any way that has studied sprouts more and the results and not for a year, but for 45 years in a row, for 365 days of the year, they feed people this, they study their health. So when we talk about Anna Maria knowledge of sprouts, she's the most experienced person we could find. And for those of you who say, okay, but big deal, who cares about sprouts? Well, the reason we're so interested in them is most people say, who've studied this, that they have the most, and they use all kinds of words, but you know, the most hormones, oxygens, phytonutrients, enzymes, anti-disease fighting capabilities of any food. So that is why we're so fascinated. We'd rather eat something sweet or fried to taste, but for those of us that are passionate about health, we wanna know what's the best of the best. And it sounds like broccoli and onion and clover and all the different sprouts are the miracle food we've been waiting for and Anna Maria is the one who studied it. So that is why for 17 days, you hear so many questions about sprouts and sprout juice and the Hippocrates philosophy, not because we're trying to be nice to Anna Maria or Brian, we're really trying to figure out if this is the miracle food. And if so, how do we learn more about it? Okay, next, um, Udo Erasmus um, is also interesting in not that he focuses on sprouts, but every speaker far and wide virtually stands up from the top of the roof and screams, 
whatever you do, do not eat oil. And they have big fat reasons and they sound great. And there's absolutely no part of me that ever thinks you should eat oil. But Udo has studied this very intensely. And when he talks about it, your perspective is different. So we have the world authority on oil and the world authority on sprouts. And that is what we're about to speak about. So welcome again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, Udo. Yeah. And Anna Maria. Huh? We have 80, 80 speakers. Virtually every one of them has something bad to say about oil. I mean, occasionally someone says something good, but mostly they're saying this is a processed food. And just like sugar is processed, that, that whole foods are good, meaning nuts and seeds, avocados and olives. But the, why would you ever want walnut, hemp, flax, chia oil or olive oil when you can have the whole food? And that makes sense to me. Why would I want walnut oil when I could eat the walnut? Everything about it sounds like the natural way nature made things in their original state was how we were meant to eat it. So why are you saying that we should have the oils and not just the whole foods? You're, well, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have the whole food. You should eat the whole foods that, and you should eat them raw. In fact, nature's mandate for creatures is fresh, whole, raw, organic for human beings, mostly plant-based. That's the mandate from nature. But the issue about the oils is interesting. First of all, omega-3 is too low in 99% of the population. And it's an essential nutrient that your body cannot make but has to have, that has to be brought in from outside. And we measure optimum intake by how skin feels. Because when you get enough oil in your diet, it makes, you know, the, your inner organs get priority on oils because they have super important functions in our heart, our liver, our kidneys, our lungs, in our inner organs. And you only get your skin oiled if you get enough oil to, 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 uh, that every other part of the body has enough. Because you can live with dry skin, but you cannot live if, you're, if your kidneys or your liver dried out. So we measure optimum intake by how skin feels. Your skin should be soft, smooth, velvety. And I can't get enough to do that to my skin by just eating seeds and nuts. I've tried it. And I've tried it to get it in the same ratio that we use in the oil, which is twice as much omega-3 as omega-6. And I was able to take five tablespoons of flax, which absorbs six times its volume in water. So you got a whole meal there, plus three tablespoons of sunflower and sesame seeds. That gives us a two to one ratio. And even in summer, when I need less oil than in winter, in winter we need more oil because we burn some of it for heat. Even in summer, I could not keep my skin from drying out in California. So that, and the thought of it is this, that maybe nature's mandate is not optimum health. Maybe nature's mandate is you got to be healthy enough to grow up. You got to be healthy enough to have kids. You got to be healthy enough to, to raise your kids till the kids don't need you anymore. And when the kids don't need you anymore, then nature doesn't need you anymore either. So then it's recycling time. And if you want to recycle people after the kids are grown, 
then you have to keep them suboptimally healthy so that as they get older, their biochemical machinery slows down. And so they age faster and then they check out sooner. So that, that is the conclusion I came to. So maybe this idea that everything is best from nature may not be true for the length of life that you live on this planet. So maybe in a way we have to cheat nature a little bit because I just turned 81. So I don't want to check out when I'm 45. But Udo, won't we get fat if every salad I put, you know, six tablespoons of, of dressing with olive oil and hemp oil and flax oil? We don't want to get fat. No. Well, that's the second thing that is completely confused. Most overweight comes from carbohydrates. You eat more carbs than you burn, your body has to turn the excess into fats. So I call carbs undeclared fats. And, and, so, and we think you eat fat, you're going to get fat. Well, that may be true to some extent for saturated fats, but the omega-3s that we emphasize, they actually turn on fat-burning genes in the body, and they turn off the fat production gene in the body. They actually help you lose weight. When you make oil your major fuel, which is what we recommend, then you want to also lower your carbohydrate intake at the same time because the carbohydrates will block the benefits to weight management that the omega-3s have. Uh, and so when, you talk, when you talk about oils, you're talking about raw, not cooked oils, correct? No, no, I, we're talking, we, we developed a method for making oils with health in mind so that they're, they're, no light, no oxygen, no heat gets to those oils from the time they're in the seed in nature's packaging to the time they're in the brown glass bottle, nitrogen flushed in a box to cut, cut the light out and uh, in the refrigerator. And they're unrefined oils. They still have their minor ingredients in them. Um, we've just, what we've done is we've concentrated the oil. I do not recommend any of the cooking oils because the colorless, odorless, tasteless oils that are in plastic bottles because plastic leaches into oils. There's pesticides in those oils and they, and a tablespoon of those oils can get you about more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. Those oils are damaged. They should not be used. And if you fry them, you'll wreck them even more, even more. So absolutely frying is the dumbest thing we have ever invented to do to food. Okay. Um, Anna Maria, um, yeah. I want to read you what I, what the sprouts that I use at home. I huh? uh, there's a company called Sprout People and they sell a uh, long life sprout mix. It has broccoli and red and green cabbage sprouts, purple kohlrabi, collard greens, green kale, red Russian kale, four varieties of radish, turnip, oriental mustard, arugula, curly crest, mizuna, and tatsoi. 17 brassicas come together beautifully in a symbi symbiotic blend of delicious nutrition. So I'm growing 17 sprouts and then I throw it in my lunch and dinner salad. What am I doing? Am I just eating a lot of lettuce or am I doing something special? Am I preventing disease? Like, you know, no one talks about this. No one tells me it's fighting disease except you. Am I doing something important or what's, what am I doing for my health? Yeah, you're, you're doing fantastic. This is like 60 times easier for you to digest for every cell in your body, for your bones, for all the organs. And it's about eight times more vitamins than any vegetable, like the spinach, the kale, you name it. And 
it's about 50 times more phytochemicals that are anti-ulcer, anti-cancer, anti-arthritis, anti-Alzheimer, you name it. So you're doing yourself an amazing favor. This is, you know, that's why the Institute for nearly 70 years have proven that week after week, day after day, uh, the people that come here that get on these foods, you see sunflower behind me, wheatgrass here, and the, the power of these foods are, this is the future. This is what's going to help people. And, you know, seeds have always, and nuts and grains and beans, always been around. And people knew that they needed to be soaked before you'd use them. But somehow we forgot all about that. When we take, actually, when we soak a seed, nut, grain, and bean, we get rid of something called an enzyme inhibitor. And then when we sprout it, that's, so then life can start. And then when we sprout it, we break down the fat to fatty acid, carb to simple sugar, fat to fatty acid, um, and, and protein to amino acid. The thing is, this is the easiest food to digest. You know how many people come here? Some people come here, they haven't been able to eat anything. Some of them are tube fed and we get them on a better food for to be tube fed until they don't need to be tube fed anymore. You know, I mean, this is, should be done in every hospital. Instead of keeping people on pure junk, TPN, sugar stuff that kills their liver, that makes them anemic and, and just slowly kills them. So, you know, we, we prove slowly but surely each day here at the Institute what is possible. And, you know, and I love what, what uh, Udo says because he's really an expert in oils. We get, yes, we get naturally oils from all the foods we eat. And you talked about uh, weight loss. So University of Illinois did a research about fats and avocado. And they found that women that wanted to lose weight, if they ate one avocado a day, they lost much more weight than other women. So we need essential fatty acids. Yes, does it come from oils? Yes, it does too. I mean, olives, but we're not talking fish oil. We're not talking hydrogenated oil. We're not talking frying oil. We're not talking heating oil in any which way. So the, the, the quality of it, the thing is, I think most people in this field are on cooked food, cooked food, fried food, and they don't know what raw food really will do to the body. Uh, I see it in people's blood tests before and after. Everything, the sky is the limit, what, how, what people can do. People come here who needed kidney transplant, liver transplant, heart transplant, and they're not needed anymore. There's no, there's no magic to it. It's the seeds that has the magic. And when you sprout it, you get 50 times more, imagine phytochemicals which kills cancer, Alzheimer. That's now the research about Alzheimer is about phytochemicals. 70% of women, of people that get Alzheimer are women. So we're the ones we need to get onto these sprouts. So Anna Maria, um, I, I accept everything you're saying. And the, the, intuitively the sprouts seem like, I don't even ask questions. It's so obvious to me that this would be a good thing, but- yeah. It's really, really hard to accept what Udo's saying. I've been brainwashed over and over. People talk about oil in such a negative way that I have like fear that I'm going to clog up my arteries, that I'm going to create a heart issue. 
Um, cardiologists have said absolutely stay, you know, stay, oil is bad. So is there, I don't want to be a guinea pig and test it out. They, they're, you know, they're really confident, these cardiologists. How many people have you told to eat sprouts with oil and how many of them have done well and how many have failed and said it didn't work, I ended up with a heart attack. I mean, I really don't want to be the guinea pig, even though I want to do what you're saying. Now, I've never seen anybody with a heart attack. We've seen people saving their heart. Um, the thing is, if you come here and you're serious, uh, you seriously had heart attacks and you are, your heart is not in good shape, I would tell you, just eat, eat avocado, eat seeds and nuts. We make nut milk for you. Stay out of the oil for now, but it will come back. The people with cancer, I don't have a problem. What are they going to do? They have a salad that's swimming in oil? No, it's a, we, we have a condiment table. And there is pretty sparingly olive oil in those bottles. It's going to last for a lot of people. And we have, we have seaweed um, uh, salts made of uh, kelp and dulse and nori to add to that. But our food is so incredibly tasty that we don't need to add a lot of oils to our salad for sure. But, you know... Brian and I are not against oil. There can be some people that have serious, serious heart problem that we, we have to be more careful for now. We use a lot of nitric oxide for them to get them over. And we have a product called um, uh, Circulation Max and not to sell it, but it's, it's nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is also in a lot of the vegetables that we eat. And naturally it's avocado. So should I be afraid of the oil in avocado, the oil in Brazil nuts, in almonds, you know? And so there's gotta be a balance in everything. And because we eat raw, most people in this field eat 100% cooked, maybe a little salad. So for them, they're so depleted already that the oil is causing big problems, totally different than when you add it to raw foods, raw sprouts and vegetables. Can I, can I add something to that? Yes, please. Yes. You said you don't, want to be the, you don't want to be the guinea pig. You know what? You're the guinea pig of whatever people tell you. And if, yes. they have big, and if they have big credentials, then you will be their willing guinea pig, even if their information is wrong. Because all mm -hmm. of the people who demonize oils are talking yeah. about oils that have been damaged by industry in the production yes. because they were interested in shelf life rather than health. Mm -hmm. And then they use those oils in the most destructive way that we've ever invented for frying. And then that's what these, all of these people read. But in the research, they never point out the damage done by processing. That's been hidden from people for a hundred years. The industry started 120 years ago. They have never put that, there's research on it, if you can dig deep enough and what happens is all of these doctors and all of these people they they're doing great work and i don't want to put them down but i have to say they haven't done their homework and i don't again i don't want to i don't want to put them down but please do the homework look at where the damage that you see in the studies that came from oils actually came from it didn't come from the oil it came from the damage done to the oils by the processing or during food preparation. 
And when you and you wait, because I came in just like you did, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, oils. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I read all that research. And what happened to me was I got one study that said omega six is essential, which means you, you have to have it. You can't live without it. If you don't get enough, you die. But if you get, bring it back before you die in adequate quantities, then you get your health back. That's what essential means. Okay, so omega-6 is essential. And the next study I read, it says omega-6 gives you cancer and kills you. And I tell you, my head exploded. It's like, what? The? You know, it's essential for health, and then it kills me with cancer. And it was that contradiction, trying to understand how can that be? that got me looking at a little deeper behind the scene. What are we doing to those oils? That's where it came from. And I'm, by the way, I am exhibit A for what I do. I've been using these oils for, well, we, they, we came out with Udo's oil in 1994. Uh, and I've been using it since 1994. I use four tablespoons in summer, two or three, uh, sorry, four in winter, two or three in summer. I put my, I. I dip my foods in it. I eat mostly raw plants. So I'm, I'm very much in that direction because I know the standard is fresh, whole, raw, organic and mostly plant-based. And I dip it and I, I, I dip it in tahini, dump the tahini oil out, put my oil in because it has lots of omega-3s in it. And, and made with health in mind, we developed a method to protect the oils from light, oxygen, and heat. And the mainstream industry, that's a $100 billion industry every year, has never done that in the 120 years that it's existed. Udo, let, so me ask you, let me ask let me I'm going to ask you one question, then I'll introduce Doug. But yeah. assuming that someone has high quality hemp, flax, chia, walnut, avocado oil. Yeah. How much are you saying? Are you saying we should use a tablespoon a day, five tablespoons a day, ten? Like I yeah, could no. I could eat unlimited cucumbers and it doesn't cause a problem. How many tablespoons of oil can I use in a day? before okay. you become uncomfortable? We, we recommend about 25% of calories, which is about a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day. So for most people it would be two to four tablespoons, 12 to 25% of calories. Mixed in food and intake spread out over the course of the day. Because oils are usually with foods, of course the seeds and nuts that uh, Anna Marie talks about, Seeds and nuts is where most of the oils are. So, so you're getting that even from the sprouts, you're also getting extra oils, okay? okay. And, so, and so what I'm saying is, you know, the idea that just because the guy is a doctor or just because the guy is a vegan or a vegetarian or just because, you know, he, he, he deals with patients doesn't mean that they understand everything. Usually they were not trained in nutrition and they picked it up on the side and they picked it up from all of the research that's done on damaged oils and they have come to wrong conclusions about essential fatty acids because of the damage that was done to them and that wasn't pointed out in the research done on them and so what i did the research and i spent six years digging through it to try and figure it out and uh and uh, all i can say is we have tons of people that, that come back and say amazing in, in terms of just about every body part. The research, if you summarize the research on omega-3s, if they're not damaged and not toxic, says that when you increase omega-3s in the diet, you can improve virtually every 
major degenerative condition of our time because every cell needs them. They're essential. They're a nightmare to work with. Most people don't like to work with those oils. 99% of the population doesn't get enough. When you give them the omega-3 and 6, both in the right ratio, high grading the omega-3s a little, but flax is too rich in omega-3. It actually made me omega-6 deficient. So you have to deal with some issues. Oh, and getting too much, you know, you can't, you can't get too much because if you take too much oil at any one time, when you hit your liver capacity, it will let you know. And then you start to feel heavy, tired, or nauseous because you're taking it too fast and you're not giving your liver time and space to, to process it. So then when, when you get tired or nauseous, it means you have to mix it in food, spread it out, out, of the, out over the course of the, the day better. Okay. What, what percentage of the omega-3s are ALA, EPA, or DHA? In, 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 in my oil, uh, Your oil we own, yeah. yeah, we only work with ALA and LA, which is the omega-6. And it's about the oil is between 40 and 50% omega-3 in the form of ALA. It's plant-based. And it's, uh, it's about half of that in omega-6 plant-based. We don't use fish oils because they're even more damaged than the cooking oils because they are 25 times more sensitive to damage done by light, oxygen, and heat than the cooking oils that are already 1% damaged and get you more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells in one tablespoon. So what, what, is the, what does your research say about the need for EPA and DHA and where would that come from if someone's on an all plant-based diet? Oh yeah, well, first of all, EPA and DHA are not essential nutrients. And the reason why is because an essential nutrient is defined as something you cannot make in your body from anything else have to have to live and be healthy and therefore have to get from outside. Well, actually you can make EPA and DHA in your body from ALA, from the plant-based. And the big issue is not that your body can't convert. The big issue is that you're not getting enough starting material to do the conversion because the same enzymes that convert omega-3s convert omega-6s, but nobody has a problem with omega-6 conversion. Why not? because they get lots of omega-6s in their diet, so they're getting enough starting material to do the conversion, right? So, and then there are some other issues, you know, if you don't have enough magnesium and zinc and B3 and B6 and C in your diet, they're, they're involved in the conversion, and a lot of people are deficient in those as well, then you're going to slow down conversion. If you eat animal products, that's going to slow down your conversion. If you're plant eating, that doubles your rate of conversion. And all of the conversion studies that were done, they did not, and they, the, the, actually the numbers on the conversion studies going back probably, well, from before I started, so it's going back over 40 years. The conversion studies all came up with all kinds of different percentages of conversion because they never, but they never said, what's the context here? What kind of diet are these people on? What are they doing besides the oil that you gave them? Or be, you know, and then they also cheated on the studies. They gave, they gave them 5% of labeled alpha linolenic acid and then measured the labeled DHA, ignored the retroconversion to EPA, ignored the forward conversion to a whole bunch of other nutrients 
that are made from DHA. And they completely ignore it. And this is the biggest thing that you, everybody already has somewhere between 15 and 60 grams of ALA in their, in their body that is available convert to, for conversion, but is not labeled. So they labeled five grams and ignored the, the whole rest of it. And you know what? I swear they must have done that deliberately to come up with low conversion numbers because they get their grants from the fish oil industry. Right. Let me move on. They're not stu- these are not stupid people. Right. Let me move on. Okay. Yeah. So Doug, take, take uh, 30 seconds to just tell everyone what you've been doing the last 20 years. Yeah. So the last 20 years, I had a raw vegan establishment in New York City called Organic Avenue. And we had 12 stores and that's where I began my journey. And I started to sprout at the beginning of that journey. And I always thought of sprouts as a garnish or as a superfood, um, but I never thought of them as something more than that. And then I moved to Silicon Valley for five years and I worked on a technology startup. And then I moved to the Mojave Desert uh, to Wonder Valley Hot Springs. And I realized not only was I in the desert, but I was in a food desert. And within a month, um, within a month, 30 days in six jars, I was growing all of my own food. And I had the epiphany that sprouts were not just a garnish, but sprouts were vegetables and that they should go from being a side dish and a topping to the center of the plate. And I went from growing uh, alfalfa sprouts and mung bean to alfalfa, azuki, radish, clover, broccoli, chia, flax, fenugreek, all sorts of peas, lentils, and hemp. And then I was so inspired that I actually wrote the sprout book. And the last five years of my life have been dedicated to sharing the message about sprouts which can be um, summarized into three points. Sprouts are food, sprouts are vitamins and minerals, and sprouts are medicine. Okay, so let's assume that someone says, I don't wanna watch 17 days of a conference. I don't wanna read books. Just get me to the very bottom line. Tell me the absolute healthiest possible lunch and dinner that I could ever imaginably eat. Are you saying that the number one thing better than spinach Better than or you know organic kale. Are you saying that if we could get my I, I, before you got here, I told uh, Anna Maria and Udo about a sprout mix I had that said seventeen different sprouts. Are you okay. saying that if we make grow our own seventeen sprout mix and make it for lunch and dinner, that this is the ultimate food, or am I getting carried away and you still need other things? I, I would say. And I'm not nearly as educated on the omega-3s as Udo. So thank I'm glad that he's participating in this because I don't have enough information about the um, ALA conversion to EPA and DHA. Um, but I don't take um, uh, omega-3 supplements. I get my omega-3s from nori and from a flax, sprouted flax and sprouted chia. And so the only thing I feel like I'm deficient in or potentially depleted in without supplementation is vitamin B12. 
Otherwise, my insight is that sprouts are complete vegetables and that every benefit of the whole food plant-based diet could be achieved by eating sprouts. And certain sprouts like alfalfa sprouts, broccoli and clover are very light in calories. And certain sprouts like the legumes, the garbanzo beans, the sprouted soy, the, um, the mung bean, the lentils are very calorically rich and dense. So it's very possible to eat 2,000 to 3,000 calories of sprouts and, and, and be very complete. And if you want to add other things to them, you know, you're welcome to. But to me, uh, sprouts are the best source of vegetables for a salad and for the center of your plate. Okay. Um, Anna Maria, are you feeling like sprouts are enough or are you feeling like you got to add something else to the diet? We, here at the Institute, we kind of have all kinds of arugula and spinach and kale and all kinds of lettuce as an add-on because most of our buffet is sprouts. So the other things just make it more palatable for you because you know these things. The sprouts, most people don't know. They're looking at the broccoli and the, the clover sprouts and the, the sunflower sprouts and the pea sprouts and buckwheat sprouts, you name it. And it's like, okay, I, what is this? And of course we teach. Everything here at the Institute is about teaching you. So step-by-step, step, we get you there. But, you know, there is nothing more nutritious than the sprouts. So remember, it's 50 times more phytochemicals. Phytochemicals is the source now that science found about 30 years ago to be anti-cancer, anti-ulcer, anti-Alzheimer, you name it. So this is what we get, eight times more vitamins than, than the spinach and all of them had. And this is not something we say, this is, this is scientifically proven. And you know, when it comes to the oils, there is no GMO in the stuff we have. There is, everything is organic. We have a promise to every guest that comes here, everything is organic. The juices are organic. Of course, we grow all the sprouts ourselves. So we know where everything comes from and all the other vegetables, some of them comes from our own farm. We have um, dandelions from there. We have, of course, arugula, which is so amazing, uh, rich in calcium. Anybody that's looking for calcium, eat arugula, eat a bunch of arugula. It's so good for you. So, but you're eating it with the sprouts. So uh, our meals are, it's very much sprouts. I just had a big sprout salad myself. What you have behind me is sunflower sprouts. They're ready to be cut down and eaten that's, tomorrow. You have wheatgrass, which of course, these are complete amino acid, complete that, amino acid. So people are looking for protein. And because we do blood tests, so our medical team does blood tests when you first come in and the last week could be three weeks or four weeks. We have a special four week cancer program now and nobody's lacking protein here, nobody. And a lot of people come in and especially the people that are on cholesterol lower, they're on, um, on Lipitor or any of those uh, medications to lower their cholesterol. It goes down so low that they sooner or later have to get off their medication because we need fats and fats like cholesterol makes all the gonad hormones. It makes your testosterone, your progesterone, your estrogen. It's very, very important to have a good amount. And sometimes I have to tell people we need more. 
I need more. I give you like nut milk. We make nut milk out of almonds. We make it here and we make it out of Brazil nuts. So a lot of people need that. We also use blue-green algae. And blue-green algae, I was going to say, if somebody is so totally against oils and you really believe that, at least take omega-3 from blue-green algae because your brain is 60% fat. You have to have it. It's a big problem if you don't get enough omega-3, 6, 9. Well, Anna Maria, I want to ask you a question to summarize what Stephen asked. Do you feel that someone could use sprouts as their primary source of vegetables and be nutritionally complete. Absolutely, better than you okay. ever have been. Better, okay. better life than you ever could wish for. Can I, can I make just one small comment? Yes. If, you, if you're going to do sprouts, they come from seeds. Mm-hmm. And the seeds, the, what the seeds have in them comes from the soil. So if you're going to go sprouts, you also need to pay attention that the soil has all of the minerals in it that the plant can't make because the the plant can make everything except the minerals, makes the vitamins, makes the amino acids, makes the fatty acids, makes the so, but it can't make minerals. They have to be provided by the soil. So if you're going to be healthy on sprouts alone, but this is true for any food anyway. Yeah, you, you have to make sure that the sprouts are grown on seed seeds. Oh, sorry, on soil that contains yeah. all of the minerals that you need. You got it. Yes. <laughs> but the sprouts don't grow in soil. The ones I have just grow in, in trees. Oh, no, no, Stephen. no. But but the, the plants from the, that that grow the seeds that you sprout because you're yeah, adding yeah. just water to sprout them. Right. The The evolution, Stephen, is you have a seed, it sprouts, turns into a a microgreen, then turns into garden state vegetable, and then it flowers, and then it fruits, and inside the pod of the fruit are seeds. Mm -hmm. And those where every seed could replicate itself a million times over. But those seeds should be in very high quality, organic, mineral rich soil so that they can replicate themselves because it begins with the seed and the seeds grow. So that's where it's very important, you know, from when you're sourcing sprouting seeds. And I encourage people to sign up for my newsletter at thesproutbook.com, www.thesproutbook.com because we talk about where to get the seeds, what equipment to use, how to grow them, recipes to how to live a a plant-based life um, with sprouts as the major source of vegetables in the diet. So so we can go into that, but thank you so much for clarifying that, Udo. I I concur that you wanna have very good um, soil and seeds. One thing which I will tell you is the revenge of the seed is that you will they will not grow and propagate and flower and fruit if they're in um, soil that's devoid of minerals that they just will become lame and they may flower and you may get market stage broccoli for example but they won't flower and they won't fruit because a lot of the seeds and the soils that are overly propagated that are going into dead soil um, don't have the 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 flora and the energy to go past 
the, the market stage um, uh, vegetable. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you the punchline of this entire panel and almost the whole conference. You were saying, Doug wrote a book called The Sprouting Book. I read it. The Sprout Book. The Sprout Book. I, I read it and I thought it was great. Anna Marie and Brian have written several books on sprouting. I'm all in. I think this is this is the thing above everything else if I could eat sprouts. The problem, the challenge is I am not always full. So when you just said legumes, garbanzo, mung, lentil, soy, I'm very interested because I'm saying the clover, the radish, the onion, the sunflower, I know they're healthy and I believe it in my heart, but I have not been getting full eating those foods. So I am saying I want to be full on a sprout diet. So I'm calm. I'm not, you know, nibbling on flax crackers all the time. So to get full on a raw food diet with a giant lunch sprout salad and a giant dinner sprout salad, and now Udo's letting me have oil, so that makes it much better. But a so a how am I getting full on these clover and onion radish sprouts? Do I need more oil? Or are you saying I need more of the heavy beans? Help well, me get full. Can, can, I, can I jump in first? Because sure, Udo. You're, 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 using the, you're using the wrong signal. You're not supposed to be eat until you feel full. You're supposed <laughs> to eat until your hunger is gone. And if you eat till you're full, you may very well put on weight. Because if you ask the people who are overweight and obese, what's your signal for stopping eating? It's not, it's always about, I feel full or my stomach hurts or all the food is gone, you know, but you're supposed to eat when you're hungry. That's your sign to start. And your sign to stop is when you don't feel hungry anymore. And that's before you're full. So that's a, that's a whole other frame for what you guys are going to talk about with sprouts. Yeah. Well, I would say, Steve, um, similar to what Udo was saying, is that um, you need to eat until you're not hungry. And you have to understand that alfalfa, broccoli, radish, clover sprouts are very calorically light. So you're not going to get a lot of calories in them. Like one pound of those sprouts is only a hundred or so calories. So active, burning a lot of calories with their brain, you need to have enough. And that's where I used the legumes, which are much heavier, like eight ounces of garbanzo bean sprouts, sprouted garbanzo beans is 250 calories and about 20 grams of protein. And that could be more filling. And it's very easy to have a cup of green pea sprouts. I love green pea sprouts. I love the lentil sprouts, they're crunchy. I love the garbanzo sprouts. Um, I also, my only and favorite way of eating soy is sprouted soybeans, black soybeans and canned soybeans sprouted. And you easily, with just a few handfuls of those, spread a couple um, through two meals, you're getting well over your two to 3,000 calories and you will feel um, satiated and satisfied. Do you- But you're not eating enough sprouts, Steve. Anna do you do you use soybean, soy sprouts at Hippocrates? No, but we use all the lentil and all the other beans. Uh, and, you know, beans are great. Sprouted beans, it's uh, amazing nourishment. And I, I wanted to tell you a story. We, we had uh, 
in November, we had one of our former guests who came here a few years before with uh, stage four colon cancer, and he got on our diet. He just had surgery. He decided not to do the other treatments, and he came to us. And so then he came back here in November and he says, I'm staying with you for nine weeks and I'm going to be in a bodybuilding um, competition. And we could not believe it. So he got a special trainer. He lived 100% on our buffet and uh, he counted, his uh, trainer also counted that he got 1500 calories a day from our buffet and that he being in the bodybuilding had to lose 20 pounds and this was not a big guy he you know but he needed 20 pounds of fat off and so which means that he had to work out and uh, get rid of 2500 calories a day he said oh my god it just about killed him but he, he did it and he built up four pounds of muscle during this time with the bodybuilding and our diet and he won. He's 74. He won the 60 and came second in the 40-year-old. So in the 60-year-old, he won. I mean, this is so he proved for everybody. It was just so amazing. First of all, he's cancer-free and he is a top-notch bodybuilder and 100% on our diet. So, you know, people look at it as we are extreme and it takes extreme measures to live today. We're, uh, if you are anywhere interested in climate change, I hope you are because it's totally predictable that we are, that's happening. We need to have a more extreme and, and the most, most natural diet would be to sprout seeds. And this is like the scenes did this already long, long time ago. And if you're reading Bible, you can read about these scenes and how they sprouted. They make the bread in the sun. They sprouted grains and put, put them out in the sun to, to dehydrate. And so it's nothing new. It's just that we are in the time where we need all the nourishment that we can get. We are so depleted. We are so dehydrated. Like a big part of what we do here, of course, is juice. We make juice out of sunflower sprouts, pea sprouts, celery, cucumber. We get the great fats from that. We get carbs from that, proteins from that. And that fills you up. But for example, do you feel full after a meal here? No, you don't feel like when you ate meat and potato, you could hardly move and you had stomach ache. You never feel like that. But every guest here will tell you, I'm not hungry. I'm not. I'm leaving the table. I am not hungry anymore. That's what happens when you get the nourishment. You get the phytochemicals. You get the vitamins. You get the proteins that every cell in your body has been looking for. That's when you see the difference. But let's That's just, right, you know, when, I was, when, when I was when I was at, at Hippocrates Institute, I ate like that. I did, yes. never felt like I wasn't hungry. But no. one more thing that you haven't mentioned. They also have sunflower seed sprouts. Sunflower seeds have a lot of oil in yes, them. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. And they have flax seeds, has yeah. a lot of oil in it. Chia yes. seed has oil in it. Oh, so absolutely. If, you, if you're eating sprouts and they're not giving you enough and you're still hungry, then yeah. eat some of the seed sprouts because they're more calorie dense. So let, let's, yeah. be, let's yeah. review because I, I want to be clear so I don't mislead anyone in the audience. I have struggled being a raw foodist because I have not gotten full. So I understand that a lot of people are very excited. So I really, the big thing is I've been doing what Doug is saying. I've been having clover and onion and radish 
I've not been doing I've not been doing these beans. So are all beans good for me? Is lima beans? Is black beans? Is white beans? Like are we saying, you know, I've been when I eat cook food, I always eat beans to get full. Are you saying that I should go and find all the beans, sprout all of them? And that is how you get full with sprouted beans. And that's what I'm leaving out. And that's why I haven't been full enough or satiated enough. I think so. And I think, you know, I wouldn't say all beans because beans do have um, enzyme inhibitors, trypsins, lectins, and not all of them um, sprout well. And um, I would focus for you, I would focus on like fava beans, on lentils, on mung beans, on garbanzo beans, on green peas, on yellow peas. You know, there's all sorts of lentils. There's friend, there's a whole variety of lentils. And you will feel very content. Like, here's the thing, Steve. We we are in our brain, you know, addicted to this reptilian lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? We're we're living in scarcity. And I hear it in your voice, like you are just almost desperate to achieve a certain level of hunger or success. And with food, you need to just breathe through it and be very calm when you're, when you're eating and be thoughtful. And, and I know unequivocally, because I've done it, where I've had six jars um, and six jars produced all of my calories for 30 days. Now I diversify a little bit more. I eat fruit. Um, I'll eat some mature vegetables in various settings. Um, but my my failsafe, uh, especially during COVID, was I felt so at peace and so tuned in that if I was eating sprouts, I was getting my nourishment. So part of it is psychological. Because when I first became raw vegan, and you met me back in those days in the early 2000s, prior to that, if I wasn't eating meat, chicken, fish, pizza, or pasta, I felt like I wasn't getting, like I was being starved to death, like it was punishment. And when I first became raw, I would eat four or five avocados to try to get that feeling of fullness. And I would overeat just to get full. And then, then when I realized the intellectual game, oh my God, I'm so nourished and I want to feel nourished, but I want to feel light and I want to feel playful. I don't want to feel that, that dopamine serotonin rush of, of fullness where I need to go sit and rest and pass out, which was what Udo described is what happens if you have too much oil. Well, you, what, you what, what, what percent raw are each of you? over the last year? Uh, I, I would say uh, for me, probably 80%. I've, I've, the older I get, the more I like raw vegetables. I'm not doing just sprouts. I, I do a ton of broccoli. But for me, uh, I don't do well with beans, and beans peas, lentils. Uh, I can eat a little bit, but they, they don't sit well with me. So what I do is I use nuts. So you can soak the nuts, you can sprout the nuts, you can do the sunflower seeds, the flax seeds, the chia seeds. So you can get more calorie dense nutrition from the seeds because every every gram of uh, fat has nine calories and every gram of carbs has only got four calories. 
So it, they're more concentrated in that sense. So you're not just, and then you can maybe uh, eat less water because the sprouts are what, 80% water, sometimes 90% water. So then you just have to eat more because you're actually, you're actually getting a lot of water from them as well. And if you need more concentrated, the, the nuts are very concentrated. So for me, but I'm about 80% raw, I maybe more. Uh, and, I, and it works really well for me. It, I don't know. I started later in life doing that. I just feel better than anything. And like I said, I'm 81. I have no aches and pains. I have energy uh, to burn. <laughs> you know, so I, I think I'm doing something right. I have more energy at 81 than I had when I was 38. Anna Maria, how about you? I would say 80 to 100. Many, many days I'm eating only here at the Institute, so it's 100%. And, you know, sometimes Brian and I make a squash, a sweet potato, or we uh, soak and sprout beans that, that I make, some hummus or some, um, some uh, mashed, like if I make a Mexican meal, I put Mexican spices into it. But I, but I prefer doing it raw. I mean, I teach here raw, especially if you have something serious going on right now, you know, when you eat cooked food, so what happens is that your immune system actually attack it as if it was an invader, as if a virus or bacteria came in. So if I have cancer, if I have a tumor, I, I don't have time for that. My immune system should be totally going for my tumor, kill it and be done with it. So, um, I don't need anything cooked at that time. When I'm done with that, maybe two or three years after, then it's okay to have a soup occasionally, have a piece of squash and, you know, how much am I going to eat? When you eat a salad like we have, there's not much room for cooked food. So it kind of is a trick on yourself. The more raw you eat, the less cooked you're going to eat. So that's, um, it's not a big part of my life. It's, uh, it's just an add on. Uh, I did many, many years, 100% raw. I thought I never eat cooked food again, but um, it's just somehow I walked back into my life. And do we have to have cooked food? No, we can be 100% raw and be very, very healthy and happy. Um, it's, it's something that each person individually can choose. And between the raw juices that I drink twice a day here and the wheatgrass, you know, two ounces of wheatgrass is worth five pounds of vegetables on a plate. So I get a lot of nourishment. So most of the time I have no need for the cooked food. And it's, uh, I would say weekends, sometimes the cooked food walks in after a big salad, but there's always big salad, but I only eat one meal a day. So I drink a lot of juices, a lot of water and um, lemon water first thing in the morning. Of course, we also take a lot of supplements. And like you said, B12, there is not enough B12 in any of the foods, meat, fish, chicken, sprouts, you name it. B12, we all need to take, and that has to be soil-based because B12 is not a vitamin, it's a, a bacteria. So it has to be soil-based uh, bacteria grown um, B12. Otherwise, you know, if people don't want to take other, it's up to them. We, we have a core kit that we give each guest, and we do put enzymes in there. We put probiotic, 
But of course, probiotic doesn't work without these things. You need prebiotic. That's what you get from these. So all the sprouts is prebiotic that feeds your microbiome, the flora you have, the 100 trillion bacterium you have in your gut needs to be fed by prebiotic. Cooked doesn't do anything. Thank Cooked you. doesn't do anything. Great, thank you. Doug, how about you? What's I'm that? 95 to 100% raw. I, I like artichokes. And so yes. those I'll eat steamed. I really like those. And my go-to travel polite food, if I go anywhere else, um, I like steamed Brussels sprouts. And I've, at home, I'll shave them. Um, but if I'm out, um, I will eat them cooked. Otherwise, I really don't like any cooked food. You know, vibrationally, I love fruit and I love sprouts. And I, I find it to be like a success for me every day that the more fresh, raw, organic foods that I'm eating, like I just love it. And the other stuff I know that I cannot overeat raw food. Like I could eat 12 mangoes and I could eat, you know, two pounds of sprouts. But if you were to give me cooked vegetables or that, that were cooked or fried with seasonings and salt and oil and sugar, I would weigh 500 pounds. Doug, are, you <laughs> are you concerned that Anna Maria and Brian repeatedly say that the fruit's been hybridized, it's feeding yeast, mold, fungus, candida, and cancer? I've asked Brian this a hundred times. He says they looked at it under blood, under microscopes, and this is what they say. No other speaker, Gabriel, Anna Marie, and Brian are saying this about fruit. Every other speaker is saying that's crazy. There's no studies on that. You should have as much fruit as you want. Um, I'm, on, I'm not on their side. I want fruit to be okay. I love fruit, so I'm hoping that someone will convince me that it's okay, but I am influenced by them. Well, I would say, Stephen, if you were immune compromised, or you were challenged with a chronic illness um, like cancer or the like, then there's no room for fruit in your diet. If you are you know, in your 50s and you've been eating healthy and raw without any major um, chronic illness, like myself, fruit is fine. If I were going into more intense healing mode, I would go all on sprouts and all on vegetables. So you can get like the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm about to post this video where I make sauerkraut with raw organic cabbage and celery juice as the me mechanism for getting the salt. So I'm using the naturally occurring sodium in the celery to make the, the, the celery juice to form the sauerkraut. And there's so much you can do with vegetables and vegetables are much more steady. You know, you'll be steady with fruit. Like you eat like, and by the way, it's almost impossible to find organic watermelon with seeds, non-hybridized because it's so much more profitable to have um, seedless and conventional and people are lazy. And watermelon seeds, the big black seeds, are a joy for for me to eat. Yeah, that's because that's, that's where the that, that's that's where the oils are in the, in the oils. <laughs> and, and so I think Stephen, if 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 
For me, if I can have wild blueberries, I can have um, organic um, fruit that I'm getting from a local farm, right? I want my food to come within driving distance, you know? Um, so if, if I can have that and I know the farmers, um, I enjoy and I, I pleasure in fruit. Like I really, like I'm looking forward, I'm gonna be in Miami next week. I'm keynoting the International Sprout Growers Association in, in Miami on the 24th or 25th. And I'm looking to get local mangoes from Glacier Farms and other places to have a mango madness while I'm there. Okay, so and, let me let me okay. let me ask this then. So Anna Maria, um, yeah. Doug is saying something. You know, as I I feel you and Brian have said that even if you're healthy, you want to limit it. So do you feel what do you? It's again, where are you on fruit for people who are healthy? So you know, we serve it at, at the institute. We decided to serve it Thursday and Sunday, and we serve local fruit as much as we can. Things that we grow ourselves. And of course, we have told everybody that we feel with our research that is nearly 70 years that sugar, fructose is feeding problems like cancer, uh, candida. When I looked, I used to look at blood under microscope for 20 years. I magnified 10,000 times and I saw yeast in so many people. I, it looks like white little cotton ball, the same as you see on food that went bad in the fridge. And it's imagined, this is microscopic and you see it. And this is not easy to clean. This takes years to clean. So for a lot of people that have chronic fatigue, they have yeast infections, candida, they have cancer, they have other viral, maybe they have Lyme disease, you know, we're, we're going to be very strict with you. And we're going to tell you that what our research is, is that we want you to be fruit free, not forever, but for a few years until you get over the hump and you're in a much better place. And you will thank us one day. You will say, you know what? Now I enjoy the blueberries. Now in it's time when it's local and I can pick the blueberries or they picked right now, that's the perfect time. You know, human beings could only eat fruit two months a year because we did not have fruit. If I lived in Sweden where I'm from, we only have fruit two months a year. We have the apples, blueberries, raspberries. You know, we couldn't eat it. We didn't, we didn't in, incorporate or get it into our country and a long, long time ago, we had what we had. So let's say that we have two months a year that we can enjoy it if we're not dealing with cancer or other in, in bacterial or viral infections like so many people have today. So that's why it sounds like we're totally against it. We're not against fruit. We're against it at certain time in our life. And you, you realize that it's hybrid. It's at least 30 times more fructose, more sugar than it was 100 times. And of course, none of us like tart fruit. Uh, the clinic I ran in Sweden, we had an apple orchard. There was not, they, these trees were very old. They were tart. These apples were not sweet and nice. Actually, one tree was, there was called transparent apple. You could see right through it. And of course, that's where we all hang out. But <laughs> I had to pick blue apples from all the other trees and I store them in a root cellar for a long time. And they, they stayed really good. But 
we have hybrid them so we don't like tart we don't like bitter oranges we like really sweet oranges so this is what we've done so we got to be careful there is a time for everything and the fruit will come back you know and blueberries and all the berries of course are the best source especially to start with but if you live up north and you have beautiful apple trees and apples you know enjoy them if if that's where you're at in your life but sometimes we take a few years off and that's not a big deal. Okay, let me go on. So let me let me let me let me go on, Nude. I want to go into the next. I'm sorry, it's only a few okay. minutes. So, um, in terms of oil, if we're at home now, and we've got a tomorrow, we want to get oil. Can we go and buy organic chia, flax, hemp, and olive oil? Is that good enough? Or are you saying no? That is, even if it's organic, it's cold. It's in a dark glass bottle. It's still problematic. Or are you saying that's okay? You, you can't find most most of the oils that you just talked about you, that you want to find, you can't find them in glass. Most people use plastic to, to uh, package their oils, but then the plastic leaches into oils because oils swell plastics and make them even more porous. So there has to be in glass, they should be refrigerated because they're very, they're, they're sensitive. So you, if you want to go and get good oils made with health in mind, you literally have to find them in a brown glass bottle, in a box to cut the light out, in the fridge, in the supplement section, in the health food stores. So if we don't buy that specific, so again, yeah. what what is a person tomorrow who wants to get oil do? One, they could go get Udo's oil, which yeah. is in a box. And if they don't buy your oil, yeah. what oil, what oil can we get? I mean, I, I get olive oil from Bariani olive oil. It's in a dark glass bottle. He stone crushes them at low temperature. Is that oil yeah. good? Yeah. What's good about that kind of olive oil, it hasn't been damaged by processing. What's bad about it is had zero omega-3s and only 10% omega-6. And 90% of it is, is or 80% of it is uh, monounsaturated omega-9, which your body can make out of sugar and starch. So you don't need that in your diet. Okay. okay. So, um, in terms of what's the best oil for us to buy, we go to the store tomorrow. We, we can look on the internet. Do we want walnut oil? I'll, what's the top, you know, in order from best down the list of what oil we would want to get? Assume we want it organic. We want it in a dark glass bottle. What's yeah. the very best types? Yeah I, yeah, I would have to tell you Udo's oil, Udo's oil, Udo's oil, Udo's oil. And if you can't find that, then eat the seeds and nuts that the oils are made from. Because if the seeds and nuts are not roasted and salted and are fresh, then you're getting, at least you're getting your essential fatty acids undamaged. Should be organic as well, of course. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and if you eat too much fruit, you're going to get fat. I get fat on fruit, so I have to limit fruit. Even though I'm healthy, I have to limit fruit. And berries are better than apples and, and all the big fruits. And if we get oil from not from Udo's, we go get a good dark glass bottle of organic olive oil or hemp or flax. Is this neutral or are you saying this is dangerous, rancid, bad? What, what, how, no, how much it, no, have no. The, the olive oil might have a little bit of rancidity. The, the, the process is, that's used is different. The damage is not done. That's done to all the colorless, odorless, tasteless oils. But 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega-3s. Hmm. 
and you ain't gonna get them from the from the olive oil. So the oh, downside yeah. is it does it's low in essential fatty acids, which is the only thing from oils and fats that you need to have in your diet, omega three and omega six. So olive oil is not a good source of those. But is will it, it hurt you? Uh, it'll hurt you if it's a replacement for omega three and six. But if you've optimized omega threes and six then you can eat some saturated fats and some monounsaturated fats and the essential fatty acids will actually protect you from the negative effects that saturated fats can have when you're omega-3 deficient and what do all of you have to say about raw olives am i trying to include these in my diet and where do you even get raw uh, like uh, olives in the store seem to be i think yeah. pasteurized or cooked so one uh, olives okay Two, I, they have to be raw. Three, where do you get raw olives? And four, does it matter that they're in I, salt? I can tell you where, where you can get raw olives. I was in Spain and in Portugal. They grow on trees. But when you take raw olives off of an olive tree, they are so bitter, you can't keep them in your mouth. That's why they, that's why they soak them in lye to get the bitterness out. So getting raw olives... Uh, yeah, you can you know, there's, there's ways you can mess up olives, but raw olives, no, I don't think so. The leaves are as bitter, the, the leaves of olive leaves are bitter and olive, olives themselves are super, super bitter. That might be good, but <laughs> it's not if you can't keep it in your mouth. Okay. Um, okay, uh, do you guys want to Stay, stay, stay a few extra minutes since Doug came late to take two questions from the audience. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Mike, you want to, would you like to ask a question on where are you from? Hi, this is Mike from California. I have a question to, for Udo. Um, you, you said I heard that uh, your oil is have a perfect uh, ratio between omega-3 and omega-6. But uh, when we are eating, you know, regular food, it is have a lots of omega-6 in it. So my question to you, if, if you, what, what is the perfect rate, ratio between omega-3 and omega-6? And if you consume already omega-6 from other type of food, because most of the food have omega-6 and we are getting plenty omega-6 too much, how would yeah. you recommend to balance it with the omega-3? Thank you. Okay, so first of all, I don't call the ratio, we use perfect ratio. I call it the practical ratio because in practice, that's how we get our best results. Twice as much omega-3 is omega-6. The problem with the omega-6s is we get enough, but they're damaged and they do damage to your health. So what we've done is we say, no, you need your omega-6s made with health in mind and you need the missing omega-3s brought back also made with health in mind so we do that in the blend and we do it in a ratio where the one won't crowd out the other because on flax seed oil i became omega-6 deficient it is the only oil that has so much omega-3 that it can make you omega-6 deficient and i got dry eyes skipped heartbeats arthritis like pain and thin papery skin, classic omega-6 deficiency symptoms, fix them by eating sunflower seeds, which are rich in omega-3 uh, in omega-6 and have no omega-3. And that's one of the reasons we developed the blend so that people cannot become deficient of one or the other. And that's why we balance them. And we put the omega-6s in, what we say to you is, you need to get rid of the omega-6s in your diet because they're damaged and they're gonna damage you. 
and you need to replace them with omega-6s that are also organic and also made with health in mind and also free of pesticides and plastics. And you don't use that oil for frying because if you fry the oil, the oil will fry your health. Carol, would you like to ask a question and where are you from? Um, yes, I'm from New Jersey and you all are so inspiring and thank you so much. And Stephen, you're just amazing as a moderator and you're just so cool. Anyway, um, where do you get that olive oil, Stephen? Uh, what's, where, how do you order it? The, the wine, the Bariani olive oil? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, how from B-A-R-I-A-I-A-N-I, Bariani, Emmanuel Bariani, he's in California. And they claim to do it at low temperature and never is heated. And they put it into dark glass bottles. So you order it directly from their website? I have, yes. I think they okay. also sell it. Yes. Okay, amazing. And thank you so much. And I love uh, Doug, your sprout, everybody, the sprouts. So wonderful. Thank you so much. I just soaked some sprouts now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, D uh, Doug, does the sunflower have to be in soil? Can can it, can you sprout the sunflower in water? I've sprouted sunflower seeds in glass jars. And the only requirement is a lot of patience to remove the hulls. So um, you can do it. Um, they grow about half the length of a normal sunflower shoot grown flat in soil. So they're about this big, not that big. And you just have to be patient in pulling off the hulls. But if you have vibrant seeds, they will germinate and they will sprout. And it's actually very clean. The one thing I will say is if you're doing um, sunflower seeds, I would pre-rinse them at least five or six times because they could be very dirty um, before you sprout them in the jar. Gail, would you like to ask a question and where are you from? Gail, would you like to ask a question and where are you from? Um, Rochelle, would you like to ask a question and where are you from? Yes, hi, um, I'm from Long Beach, New York. And um, what I wanted to ask about, I was getting like all, all these different sprouts I was getting excited listening to all the different things that you could sprout and the variety. And I go to the farmer's market and I buy sprouts, but it's not the variety that you're talking about. So I wanted to know where to purchase. I'm too lazy to do it myself, but where can I purchase um, sprouts from? Yeah, R Rochelle, I would say you are not too lazy. You're just not motivated enough. And what I would tell you is that the varieties that I'm talking about are such niche that people are not growing them and selling them commercially. So it's very rare. Maybe if you're in San Francisco or um, Santa Monica farmer's market, you can get some of these niche. But in general, if you want those, you can have it. You can check out uh, Donnie Greens and he'll do the microgreens you know, in Long Island. Um, for for you in that, but I think that it's so easy to sprout in a jar. It takes about five minutes a day, two minutes in the morning, two minutes at night, and one minute of just marveling at how grow how they're growing so quickly. So I, I would encourage you. You could check out the sprout book, 
Um, I cover all the sprouts and the widest sprout in there, um, but you can also find a lot of information online, but it's easy and you can do it. It's five minutes a, a day. I, I would recommend Perfect Foods. They would deliver everywhere in America. And we worked with them a long time. They've been around a long time in New York, but they deliver, they, they will ship it out to you everywhere. So um, you have great help from them and gorgeous uh, organic sprouts. And I also wanted to say E3 Live, which is our favorite blue-green algae is amazing, omega-3692. And, you know, Brian and I put hemp seeds, we sprout hemp seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds on our salad every day to get that extra edge. We don't use a lot of oil, but we use a little bit of sesame oil, avocado oil, some good cold pressed oil or udos oil, of course. <laughs> but, you know, it's um, the, the E3 Live, which is the, the best blue green algae you can find. Uh, we serve here. We serve blue magic for our guests so that they may make sure that they get the omega-369 in the best form. And um, it's really, uh, it's, it's an amazing source for you all to get to. So get your sprouts. And like you said, it's so easy to sprout. And kids, if you can get your family involved to start with sprouts and see like it, it fills up like popcorn in five days in a jar, so much fun, the, the mung bean sprouts, azuki sprouts, the cabbage radish, you know, it's amazing. And when, when people get to hear that broccoli sprouts have 50 times more phytochemicals as then broccoli. Why wouldn't you eat broccoli sprouts? <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of fun to grow. And um, if you can get the family involved, they will love it. We used to, when our kids were in school, we would bring the school. They were in a smaller Montessori school. We brought them all here and taught them how to sprout. And they kept that up for a long time, a long time, and, and they loved it. Bex, would you like to ask a question? And where are you from? Yes, hello, thank you very much. I am from Los Angeles, California, and I have maybe attempted sprouting once or twice garbanzo beans and they had like a funny smell. So I wasn't sure if I was doing it right. But so the point is I wanna do something very, very easy like broccoli sprouts or uh, chia or uh, hemp and some of the other things. If I were to do beans or lentils, pulses, et cetera, and you put them in the jar, you soak them, you sprouting 101, you dump the water, then you leave it tilted on an angle and let air flow and then just keep rinsing it every day until you see the tail on a yeah. bean or a legume. Are you, you don't cook it then you just eat it. Yeah. And yeah. And let me also say what I do to make it easier. Now I soak it overnight and then I leave them without water in the fridge and I just let them alone and they sprout perfectly because if I kept them out on the counter, that's when they're going bad. So my chickpeas are gorgeous after three, four days and I eat them like that. Wait, can you stop and say that again? You, how do you do chickpeas? My chickpeas go rotten. So give us the formula. Yeah, they again. rot. Yeah, so uh, I soak them in a bowl overnight in the fridge, and then I rinse all the water out. I can leave them in the bowl or in the colander, and then I put them in the fridge, and I just forget about them. Three, four days later, they're gorgeous. I, I don't even have to take care of them anymore. So you so think... I, I, 
Yeah, I made it easier because I'm also very busy. So I made it easier. I do that with millet and quinoa. I grow all those grains and I just leave them. I forget about them. I look at them a few days later and they're all beautiful sprouts that I can make dishes out of. I can does, make crackers. Yeah. Does it matter though what climate you're in? Like I'm in Southern California where it's sort of maybe hot and dry. Does it matter the climate? I'm not no, in, the they're in the fridge. They're in the fridge. <laughs> I hope in the fridge, that's why we're in a hot, humid climate here in Florida. So it's, um, it's, that's worked the best. And but I, now I tell people even in the Europe to do that. And it's actually worked so much easier. Of course, these sprouts that we do in soil, that's different, that, but that needs to be in room temperature. But I, um, all the jar sprouts, I just put in the fridge. And your fridge will be pretty empty in future. There'll be no cheeses and butter and, and yogurt and kefir and meat and fish. <laughs> There's a lot of room now for sprouts. I'm going to try the fridge. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Ruth Lynn, would you like to ask a question? And where are you from? Ruth Lynn, would you like to ask a question? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Where are you from? Okay. Yes, I'm from Canada, and I have all of your books, and and they're they're all wonderful. Um, and I just okay. One thing I have two things. One thing uh, regarding putting the sprouts into the fridge. Do are they with water or without water? In the no, jar. No, they're, they're the sprouts. There's no water. Okay, and soaking with, you soak them overnight in yep. warm water uh, at beginning with warm water? No. Lukewarm, cold water, it's okay. Okay, and would you put citric acid in there? Uh, I think Doug, um, in his book, um, maybe it's not citric acid, it's something that you put yeah. in the Well, what I was talking about is a surface level seed sanitation of the seeds. So if mm -hmm. you're getting the seeds, you know, I mentioned you could um, soak the seeds for five minutes in hydrogen peroxide or grapefruit seed extract or hypochlorous acid, or even, you know, I'm saying this here and I know everyone's going to roll their eyes, even bleach for five minutes to mm -hmm. reduce the potential pathogens on the surface level of the seed. And then you rinse them off several times. So right. that's a, an extra added um, area of precaution. Um, okay. because seeds could be contaminated and so you okay. want to do that thank and you udo udo I, I, I just don't want i just don't want to be cut off i've got um a bottle uh, of your oil um i got it out on the 21st of january um of 23 um is it do i have to and i didn't use it all up yet because you know what i uh i've missed a lot of days um, do I have to throw what's remaining out or uh, let, let, let your tongue instruct you if the oil is bad yet once you open it we say use it within eight weeks but I've had oil 14 months old that's still usable the the taste goes off when the air gets in when you open the bottle you get oxygen in that gradually starts to to uh, react with the oil and you, that's one of the reasons we keep it refrigerated between okay. uses and uh, if it's too much reacted with oxygen, it'll become bitter and scratchy and you will not like the taste. If it's 2% reacted with oxygen, you will spit it on your shoes because it'll be disgusting. So okay. let your tongue instruct okay. you. 
It let, smells let your tongue right. instruct you. Yeah. So that that okay. that's the easiest way to tell. Okay. All right. Fine. Uh, thank you very much, all of you. I I just uh, love all, all love the, the the three of you and <laughs> and the way you uh, have presented uh, uh, your your particular passions. Yeah, I'm learning a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Doug, do we have to be concerned about that? I wasn't planning on washing my seeds in something. Is this something that you, you feel strongly about? Because this is an extra step. I think that if someone has some sort of reason to have extra concern, then this is the way to mitigate it is through um, surface level sanitation. Um, if you're buying organic premium sprouting seeds that have been tested for pathogens and tested for germination rate, that's very different than if you're going into a bodega and buying them from the bulk bin where they could have had mouse droppings or the like inside. Got it. Janine, would you like to ask a question or where are you from? Hi, I'm Janine. I'm from um, New South Wales in Australia. Um, my question is to Udo. Um, I'm very interested in your oil. However, is it available in Australia? Yep. It is? Yep. Oh, fabulous. So, it, so I don't have to order it, it online. And, mm? you, find, you find it in the health food stores. Thank you so much for that. That's my question. And thank you all for your wonderful information. I've just started my sprouting journey, but um, I've always been afraid of oils, particularly with the discourse that is always around oils. And so yep. um, listening to you has been very enlightening for me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Gail, would you like to ask a question or where are you from? Gail, would you like to ask a question? Steve, would you like to ask a question and where are you from? Absolutely. Steve from Rockaway Beach, New York. Uh, following up with Doug, does vinegar count for disinfecting those seeds? You know, I'm not why, worried about mouse droppings, but maybe trying to get a, a leg up so my seed, my sprouts don't get as funky as quickly. I think that white vinegar, also known as glacial acidic acid, um, will potentially um, remove pathogens on the surface level of the seed. So you can wash it if you soak them too long in the seed in the um, vinegar it will affect germination. Um, if you want to do a final rinse of your sprouts to bring down the microbial load um, with a vinegar, that could be an effective way of lessening the microbial load. And then you would rinse it off so they don't taste like vinegar um, thereafter. So you can do that. Most people don't. You could achieve a very good reduction of pathogens just by using a salad spinner and two or three rinses with water. How about apple cider vinegar? Apple cider vinegar does not have the same concentrated acidic benefit to lessen the microbial load, you know, for the purposes of sprouting um, due to the, the um, particles and the amount of dissolved solids in the apple cider vinegar versus the white vinegar. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. And nice to hear another East Coast voice. <laughs> okay, so let's finish up with each of you take um, 
30 seconds to make a closing comment. And then how do we stay in touch with you, follow up with you, get your books, find out about your programs? Udo, why don't you go first, then Anna Maria, then Doug? <clears throat> okay. The book is called Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. You can get it on Amazon. It's been around for a bit. It's still pretty much the, uh, the definitive book on oils made with health in mind. We developed that machinery. And if you want to get in touch with me, Udo's Choice, U-D-O-S-Choice.com. It's where I talk about the products. I also work with enzymes and probiotics and uh, a few other things. And uh, you can find me, just look for Udo Erasmus. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, you, can, uh, you can find me on Facebook and on, I have a YouTube channel. If you just punch in Udo, U-D-O, I'll come up on the first page of whatever you punch it into if I'm there. So that's easy enough. Uh, and, uh, and then the, the, the products are available in about 40 countries in uh, health food stores or sometimes the chemists in the, U in the United Kingdom um, and, and the people who do natural, natural healing. Some of the practitioners use it as well. Thank you. Anna Maria? Yeah, so we are Hippocrates Wellness here in West Palm Beach, Florida. And, you know, our, um, our supplements is under LifeGive, and they're all soil-based, absolutely organic. And um, I think finding out about uh, what supplements you need, of course, there are um, here at the Institute, it's individually consulted but things that most people probably need because we're not outdoor enough is vitamin D, B12, probiotic enzymes, digestive enzymes, especially uh, algae. We're very much for blue-green algae and uh, chlorella and so on. And there's so many different things. We have our own uh, skincare because skin, skin uh, care out, it's so, um, toxic nowadays that yep. uh, it's hurting nature, it's hurting the coral reefs, you name it. So we have amazing skincare and we have our own makeup care. You can eat it. All these things you can eat. So not that you want to, but you could if you had to. So you would actually make it very safe to have kids around these products because they're all um, totally organic and um Edible, <laughs> edible for your skin. Our founder and Vigmore always used to say, if you, if you can't eat it, why would you put it on your skin? So that's been our motto. We've been very serious since, um, since Dr. Epstein brought the book, Toxic Beauty. And um, he really uh, revealed how toxic cosmetics are. My husband, always, Brian's always says, I think there is a conspiracy to kill women with all this stuff that is in. I have to go through the store normally, like I go through Macy's or, uh, you know, JCPenney or any of them where I end up going through the, where the perfumes and everything, which is so toxic for you. I have to hold my nose and just kind of run through <laughs> that. So imagine this is what women and men too put on their body. I just talked to one of the guests who's fighting cancer. And he said, oh my gosh, I just bought all these fine, fancy cologne. I love cologne. I said, well, you're done with that now. So, you know, it's about choosing natural products. Make better choices when you go to a store in future. 
You can always order from the Institute. There's a lot of products out there that comes from mom and pop and they've, they've also done organic and, and edible things that you can put on your body. So put into your body, outside your body, only stuff that you actually could digest and ingest. So uh, we're here, we're Hippocrates Wellness. We're here for you. Thank you very much, Anne-Maria. Doug? So um, my, I communicate most at Doug Evans on Instagram. Um, I live and run, uh, you know, uh, Wonder Valley Hot Springs, um, which is also on Instagram. And I have a, uh, you can sign up. I've got a sprouting masterclass coming out um, with onecommune.com slash sprouts um, is coming out this summer. And it's a five-day masterclass on how to sprout. And you could sign up for my email list at thesproutbook.com, um, where I, I'll be sending information, recipes, fact-based. You know, we just published our first white paper, you know, on sprouting um, and sprout safety. And, you know, uh, I think that's that's really it. I think sprouts are amazing and that everyone can grow them without soil, without sunshine, without fertilizer in days, and you're getting the most nutrient dense food on the planet. So I wanna thank all of you for coming and speaking tonight and sharing your information. You know, some of this information, it's like, we don't wanna spend 30 years figuring out. So the fact that you tell us this and help us prevent disease, we're very grateful. You're all very knowledgeable and articulate, and we are lucky to have you available to us. Um, and I spend a lot of time searching for vitamin supplements, foods, so I don't take it for granted how hard it is to get access to the best information, which is what you all have. So I'd like to unmute everyone. So anyone who would like to join me in thanking you can also uh, let you thank, well, thank, thank you. you, Steve. Thank you yeah, for thank your you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a voice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you.